the escapades of a satanic cult, mixing up crows and ravens, and the vengeful hero is grossly miscast. It's The Crow, Wicked Prayer, this week on Sucktastic Cinema. Well, this isn't very good. Suck. Welcome back into Sucktastic Cinema, where if these movies try too hard or know, know what they, they are, endearment is, is the name of the game. game. I'm Steven. I'm Matt. And after a after an episode last week to where we could almost do nothing but talk glowingly about the yes. movie we talked about, which is very rare. Yeah. Um, and because we had a headache of a movie the With week brats. before. Um, we're back to torturing ourselves. <laughs> yes. So if you saw at the top there, we're talking Crow, Wicked Prayer, this week oh, on Sucktastic God. Cinema. I hate and this we'll, movie. Yeah, it's very, very bad. Um, if you know us, we you know we love the movie The Crow. Oh, the original the one original, is one of my favorite It's one movies. of my favorite movies of all I time. I love it so much. You can go hear us talk about that on the Radcast with our younger brother Tyler. We can't get enough of that movie. There's so much about it that we love. Yep. This movie is the farst of cries away yes. from it. And we'll get to we'll get into why that is. But before that, Matt wanted to let everyone know where they can find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, we are at Sucktastic Pod, and then find us on Twitter at Sucktastic Sin, C I N for Cinema. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the listeners are our sinners. Mm-hmm. So whether or not this is your first week or if you're a returning Listener, hello, center. Hello, center. Welcome. Yes. And it's appropriate because we talk about Satan. There's a lot in of sin. In, there's a lot of sin in this yeah, movie. If exactly. they want to rate and review us, where can they do that? Oh, yes. You can go find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts and wherever appropriate. Make sure to rate and review five stars, please. Mm-hmm. Just for algorithm's sake, mm-hmm. just to make us visible, and we would we would surely appreciate it. Yes, please. We would also appreciate you to sit and agonize with us over this movie because it's movie time. And now for our feature presentation. Crow Wicked Prayer was released June third, two thousand five. Directed by Lance Munija, uh, Mun- it doesn't Muniga, matter. Uh, starring Edward Furlong as Jimmy Cuervo. 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 Yeah. Jimmy Cuervo. Cuervo is uh, is um, is the crow in Spanish. Yeah, is crow in Spanish. So it's, yeah. it's on the nose. It's not the only on the nose thing in this yeah. movie. He is uh, the main character here. David Boreanaz as Luke Crash slash Death. Tara Reid as Lola Byrne. Yuji Yokomoto as Pestilence, Marcus Chong as War, Tito Ortiz as Famine. As you, you as, that you, right. as, as you can probably as you can probably tell, there's a Four Horsemen vibe here. Yeah, and as you can probably tell, the cast sucks too. Yes, exactly. Uh, Emmanuel Shariki as Lily, Danny Trejo as Harold, the one exception. Uh, David Baez as Tanner. With Dennis Hopper as El Nino and Macy Gray as Cara Mia. And, <laughs> if, and FUBU founder and notable shark from Shark Tank, Damon John, as the hearse driver, as he's known on IMDb, Proudfoot John. That's who he is. Damon John. I was John, like, this yeah. guy looks so familiar. He's the founder of FUBU, yeah. who helped fund the movie. Yeah, and, I, and Shark Tank. Like I yeah, yeah, and he's okay. in Shark Tank. Yeah, as you can tell just from this cast... 
you, the acting is going to be a little less than uh, top tier. Yeah. You'll either get people who are like super hamming over the top because yeah. they know this is not a quality movie, yeah. or you'll get people who phone it in and are wooden. You get yeah. the whole, you run the whole gamut. Or they're here. trying and they're just wooden. Exactly. <laughs> and they're just, they're they're trying to be a badass with a come off as a twerp. Yeah. You which, get, it's funny. You get people who are phoning it in and wooden and mm-hmm. people who are trying and wooden and the people yeah. who are phoning it in Dennis Hopper mm-hmm. and over the top and people who are trying and are over the top exactly so this movie is a clusterfuck yes you but you, but it's a nice stew a nice diarrhea stew <laughs> uh, a box office uh, box office numbers were not provided it only had a week in theaters and then it was uh, I can't remember if they said it meant to be a limited run or it just that's just how it happened because I, it's a shitty movie I, th- I can't. I think it meant to be that. Yeah, I'm not sure though. Either yeah. way, it's been a week in theaters. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it's awful. So this movie came out, and there's there's no VHS open for it. Mm-hmm. So I just pulled the Crow VHS. Thank opening. you. Please, um, a, a, a glimmer of hope yes. in what's gonna be a piece of shit. Exactly. So the Crow. What's on the Crow VHS? So now in theaters, a film called Fresh, which is about a boy who's embroiled in gang activity. Mm. Samuel L. Jackson is in it, and the main kid looks like he's a terrible actor. Oh, okay. Um, Pulp Fiction, okay. now in theaters. Yeah. Uh, Highlander 3, The Sorcerer, with Christopher Lambert and yeah. Mario Van Peebles. Hey, Mario yeah. Van Peebles. Yes. Uh, now available on video, a movie called Mother's Boys, where... Jamie Lee Curtis is a psycho mother that Peter Gallagher and his girlfriend, Joanne Watley Kilmer, are trying to keep his sons oh, away yeah. from. Yeah, Joanne Whaley. Joanne Whaley, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, mother also, Boy is, isn't that the Arrested Development, the, uh, like, the mother-son Close, contest this is Mother's Boys. Oh, right. But Mother Boy, yes, yeah. is Arrested <laughs> Development. Um, and uh, so they're trying to keep their sons, or Peter Gallagher... Is was married to Jamie Lee Curtis okay. in this movie, yeah. and he's trying to keep his sons away from her because she's a psycho. Okay. Uh, finally, so I'm gonna preface and say the Disney VHS guy does like does it now available? Yeah, to own. now he, to own he, on he he D- does yeah. the uh, he does the like the narration. Yeah. Um. He like he does the voiceover. Oh yeah. And and it's like and it's what we're familiar with with Disney, but I feel like that was just like a template. Oh, of like no, the feature yeah. presentation. It's just a that. generic that yeah. you put it at and every. But yeah. it's us. We associated with Disney. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. but we see is the Disney trailer voice guy. Yeah. And he said. It says, finally, stay tuned after the feature to see Brandon Lee's last interview, <sighs> which is heartbreaking. Yeah. And it, it tears me up. But it just, it's so weird because it's the Disney trailer voiceover yeah. guy. So <laughs> delivery saying it is really weird and it's not yeah. somber at all. Um, Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> but so that's the opening of The Crow. Now let's get in, Let's get into some shit. Okay. Let's right. just work. We, I told Steven before he hit record that I want to spend as little time as possible yeah, talking exactly. about this. I noticed that we opened the show, our first few episodes, were movies that were charmed by, but we were yeah. fine with watching and talking about. Yeah, yeah. We've really started digging ourselves into <laughs> yeah. crap now. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot more huffing and puffing and probably sighs and stuff like it's, that. It's going to be, it's it's gotten in the past few episodes to be less of, I want to talk about this because because I enjoy it, but also it's mm-hmm. bad and it's yeah. fun. And now we're like, we, we see things on the list like, I'm gonna. This is gonna be miserable. It's coming back. We have to talk about. It's coming back around, and what we wanted to do with the show is biting us in the ass. Yeah. (laughs) So the movie opens up on a title sequence that shows images of rituals from what is to believe to be a satanic book. 
Mm-hmm. Some scenes shown are supposed to reflect instances from the movie. We then get a voice repeating the word revenge. We then fade into a desolate desert town. Expository text comes on the screen saying the town is a reservation and mm-hmm. the main tribe is closing a toxic and dangerous mine in order to build a casino. We Ye- see a... Yeah, and there's a point of tension there. I was like, but it's a toxic mine. Yeah, and they're closing it. And I understand, like, they're taking our jobs. We want our jobs. So it's like, A, you can get jobs at the casino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And B, they're closing down this toxic mine. And usually yeah. in, in movies in movies to where there's an issue with them closing down a yeah. local, like, work spot yeah. to open a casino for big business. It's like usually, a sacred reservation yeah, Usually or those are the bad guys. Yeah. So at the beginning when they that text came up, I was like, Wait a second. Who, who's, who are we supposed to be rooting for? <laughs> yeah, who's the bad who's guy? Who's the bad guy? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll soon see who the bad yeah. guys are. We yeah. see picket lines on either side of a chain link fence with the spurned miners chanting the phrase, save our jobs at the casino construction workers. We see what looks like a 70s gremlin drive along the area of picketers. We then get a shot car. of uh, the car. Yes, <laughs> yeah. the car, a gremlin. We then, we then get a shot of a bald meathead at a food truck. Back to the driver, he shoots a hand signal to one of the picketing miners. The miners, the miner gives it back, then walks away from the other miners while pulling out a pump-action shotgun, which no one on either side of the fence seems to notice. Yeah, it doesn't, and the hand signal doesn't foreshadow anything. No. Like, it's, like, it's, it's just a random... It's like if you're, if you're a fan of, if you're a wrestling fan, it's, it's the wolf pack. Yeah. Like hand signal. So, but it kind of looks like Satan. So maybe, maybe since they're that, in a satanic cult. But then maybe you should just done like like the right, Malloy like the hand signal, horns like or the metal yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, back at the food truck, casino construction workers are gagging and retching as the meathead slowly saunters out of his food truck, throws his apron, and asks one of the alien workers if he would like more salsa. <laughs> oh, what a nice guy! <laughs> it's very nice, Tito Ortiz. Yeah. You're a nice boy. You're a very good actor too. You you can't <laughs> yeah, you mm-hmm. totally can't kick one, my ass. One of the shining spots of this movie is yeah. Tito Ortiz. As the seventies gremlin car at the seventies gremlin car. Hello, uh, at the seventies, at the seventies gremlin. The driver has gotten out, and it's an Asian gentleman in a cowboy hat. Which, if you're familiar with Karate Kid Part Two, yeah, he's and Johnny the bad Tsunami, guy. He's, he's the, the dead. dead, and then and better off, better dead. off dead. Plain Maya. He's like the Howard Cosell mm-hmm. commentator. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd like to mention the liberal use of the video effect of the footage being either slowed down and choppy yeah. for dramatic effect or uh, choppy and quick cut. Very like, liberal. Yeah. Like, like almost like annoyingly disoriented. Which like anything when used in moderation for dramatic it's effect, effective. it's yeah. effective. But this is it's used all the time. Mm-hmm. And then sequences of jump cuts that are used for effect and are accompanied by some sort of snapping or popping noise. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the shotgun miner says some stuff about war or something, then aims to shoot while all the picketers scatter. The Asian cowboy then is being accosted by workers, and the meathead is also doing something. <laughs> Asian cowboy disposes of the people giving him grief, then roundhouse kicks a barrel of toxic chemicals. Might I correct myself and say he roundhouse kicks a blade puncture into the barrel? Yeah, he... And he does this, oh, like a, it's not like a smooth roundhouse. He does like a couple twirls and then yeah. does it. And then he hollers with joy as the toxic chemicals spray on him. Yeah. Uh, we then get a freeze frame and a title card popping up saying yeah. pestilence, which would be him. The lunatic miner with a shotgun starts wildly shooting out into the open, and a freeze frame of him comes up with the title card being war. His bullets shoot through the fence, so the miners start attacking the construction workers. Meathead food truck cook hops in his car, and his title card says famine. 
Each title card gives the criminal's heritage, motives, and goals, all pretty much saying they want revenge and are bent on destruction mm-hmm. of some sort. Each character hops on their own set of wheels, all adorned with some sort of art or graphic advertising who they are. And if the graphic wasn't enough, they also made it easy in the viewer or passerby by putting their own name on the vehicle. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, subtlety is out the window in this oh, movie, yeah, yeah. too. It's telling you exactly. And the whole time I'm sitting there, and this is it's not so much... I. The opening and the introduction of these villains is fine as it is. Mm-hmm. And it'd be a lot more digestible and enjoyable if I knew this was like a Jean Claude Van Damme movie, right? Or if this was like one of those like revenge movies from the '90s with like Brian Bosworth, yeah, to where he's like a dad avenging his family or whatever. But I know what we're getting into, mm-hmm. and it's something with the crow slapped yeah. onto it. And it's it's if this were something that were advertising itself as kind of undertones of yeah this is like you guys are not to be taken this is not to be taken seriously yeah. and if it were more of the tongue-in-cheek yeah approach those are more palatable and digestible because i feel like they know what they're the, they know what they are this i think tries to with the subject matter yeah and the story of the crow and this and the movies before because there are three movies before it oh yeah um they try to be more earnest with it and i think that's one of the parts that hurts it it's yeah. because it's so bad and wooden that the earnestness is oh, yeah. you, completely like done. Yeah, it flies completely out the window. Yeah. You just love you're just left rolling your eyes the whole time. Yeah. We then get a shot of a mix of children running and playing in front of a church across from a chain gang. The shot pans up the church and sits on the nose end of a sniper rifle on the bell tower. We get the perspective of the rifle's crosshair scanning for a target. One of the prisoners on the chain gang starts gagging and coughing, and the police officer's medical attention involves putting a black bag over yeah. the prisoner's head. Cover his face! Yeah, throwing it to the ground. <laughs> it's like, why? Yeah. I guess because they, they think he's like contagious or I something. Don't I don't know. know. <laughs> for, for plot convenience. Yeah. The rifle's crosshairs continue to go from crowd of children to the officers overseeing the chain gang to the priests of the church. The prisoner continues to writhe, to writhe under the weight of several officers. The crosshairs come up again, only this time the prisoner being subdued brings his shackled hands into view, and the rifle fires, breaking the prisoner's chains. The gunman, or woman, uh? is the blonde chickie from those Stifler movies. <laughs> those Stifler movies. Um, Tarla Reed. Yeah, America's sweetheart from the year 1999 to uh, the middle of 2003. Yeah. Tara Reed. Yeah, you can't even pinpoint a time in which, like, because usually with actresses like her, mm-hmm. there you can pinpoint like a stretch of a few years to where you're like there was there was potential. She was she had she had some pretty good roles mm-hmm. and she was a pretty good actress. I don't think she's ever been no, in anything. Yeah, I mean she's she, been a good actress. She made it big because of American Pie. Yeah. And even in that, you're not really, you're not asked to be like yeah. a good actress. Yeah. And now I feel like she's just embracing that by doing like the Sharknado yeah. movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Since she was uh, engaged to Carson Daly. Oh yeah, that's right. DLC, uh, not DLC, TL, TRL. TRL. <laughs> the prisoner then takes out the officers, stands up with the bag on his head, and I'm beginning to think he wasn't sick at all. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. As one of the cops is like, you weren't sick at all. You're not going to pull the wool over my eyes. He removes the bag to reveal a pasty white guy with slick black hair. He looks up to the tower. He's an angel. He sure is. Angel. Because David David Boreanaz Boreanaz was angel. angel. (laughs) He looks up to the tower and acknowledges the woman. 
Although he didn't kill the guards and police, he's still able to walk up to the church steps like 100 yards in front of where the Chan Gang was without being recaptured. Anywho, Greaseball unbuttons his jumpsuit to reveal an edgy-looking Ed Hardy-esque shirt. Mm. The other hooligans pull up behind him, and they get out and get rowdy. War walks up behind the newly freed Ed Hardy prisoner and hands him a revolver. He says something about war. The prisoner puts his head down. What spins- is it good for? <laughs> exactly. The prisoner puts his head down, spins the chamber, snaps it back into place, and jerks his head up. And his title card pops up saying death. Mm-hmm. His dad was killed by Indians, so he's out for complete destruction. Death turns around to see the priest cowering behind one of the cars. He instructs Famine to drag the priest in front of him. Famine grabs the man of God and puts him on his knees, giving some stilted and wooden dialogue about the satanic cult is back in black and the four yes. horsemen ride again. <laughs> Death walks up to the priest and points I think the... he re- says, Cuidado ese, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. The satanic cult is back, back in black. black. The four horsemen ride again. Yeah. Death walks up to the priest and points the revolver at his head. Something everybody does that we'll see is they give some sort of grandiose one-liner or wax poetic, and it all sounds quasi-biblical or something literary that should have weight to it. Yeah, something about dancing with the devil in the pale moonlight. Exactly. But a lot of the time, it sounds like people just saying things. Yeah. I. So the introduction of David Boreanaz, it's his presence, and he has some acting acumen, and... It, that his whole introduction, you sit there and like, okay, this might be a little bright. This spot. is not uncool. Yeah, exactly. And, but it's just the whole opening. Even though I said I would enjoy it more if mm-hmm. it were like uh, a second-rate Jean Claude Van Damme type mm-hmm. movie that didn't take itself so seriously. But it's so chaotic and annoying, and I think I'm annoyed because I know who is responsible for taking these guys down eventually. Mm-hmm. And it just, I just, it leaves me rolling my eyes. Just yeah. Death has one of these moments as he pulls the hammer down on the gun, where he looks like he's going to shoot, then starts doing one of those faux laughs. Then everyone joins, and the priest joins, which yeah. is supposed to give this false sense of security. Which is never good. Yeah. Just as Death sees the priest's guard is down, he points the revolver back towards him, and right as he fires, a hand pushes his arm up and causes him to shoot into the air. The blonde lady with heavy eye makeup puts herself under Death's arm, and he joyfully greets her by saying, How's it going, Lo? <laughs> hey there, girly. Uh, hey, at, shorty. <laughs> yeah, we're not there yet. Um, I, at first, uh, when I was writing this out, because some, at some points I went back just to like see yeah. if I missed anything, and I, at first I point I put here that he said, Hi, Lo. And I was <laughs> like, it does, he doesn't have like... Uh, a speech problem. No. Say hi, low. Yeah. Hi, <laughs> low. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, short for Lola. Yeah. Uh, she says something about. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Uh, he says, "How's it going, low?" Oh, hi, low. <laughs> um, she says something about something, and then he asks Lola Burn Blondie to marry him, mm-hmm. which she says, "Till death do us part." Luke Crash, which is his name, so uh-huh. he he'll be referred to as Luke. Crash they, and burn. Yes, I have that at the end. Okay, all right. (laughs) They start making out on the hood of a car, Mm. his car. (laughs) Uh, The car's all driving a caravan as we get a look at the greenery, browns and deep reds of the desert. They start making out on top of the priest. (laughs) Yes. He's still alive. He's like, stop, please. Mm -hmm. Uh, Going from a pretty nice location shot to something more unsightly. 
Edward Furlong is in a rundown trailer, splayed out amongst trash, feathers, and with a scorpion on his chest. First day on set. <laughs> yeah, which I'm almost positive he didn't know they were filming. Yeah. He wakes up and mumbles something that is supposed to be philosophical. Found himself in mystic places. Yep. Um, as a preacher, Father Danny Trejo shouts on the TV about tribal stuff and the virtues of the upcoming casino. Yeah, the de- his, he delivered it weird, and that and it's like your introduction to him already. The ADR is all weird. Yeah, and his mouth moves weird, and it's like they're trying to make him really cool and mysterious, and he's mm-hmm. just not. The thing is, when Eric Draven would say something that would sound poetic or mm-hmm. philosophical, he would follow up with some sort of like almost like breakdown of what that was or yeah. like or you know when he when he quote when he does and we'll get to this later when he quotes the raven and gabriel's yeah, yeah. or in a um in the pawn shop yeah and he said you know he's like you know so i heard it gently rapping rapping at my chamber door. door he doesn't just leave it at that he's like you heard me rapping right yeah like he he follows it up with something that makes it more modern instead right. of just leaving something yeah. from literature out there without explaining yeah. it in any way yeah exactly um, there are better examples of that and, and mm-hmm. the Brandon Lee crow. Yeah, yeah. It's a far more superior movie. Absolutely. Um, he then takes the scorpion, he being uh, Jimmy Cuervo, Cuervo <laughs> he then takes the scorpion into the kitchen, takes a bag of scorpions out of the fridge, and adds the new scorpion to it. He goes on to his dog about how there comes a time where the contents of a man's fridge aren't cutting it. The camera then cuts away, and we are to assume he eats his dog. (laughs) (laughs) He licks his lips as he says it. Mm -hmm. The shot transitions as the preacher on the TV introduces the tribe shaman, his daughter Lily. We get a shot of Lily approaching the podium as Father Danny Trejo pulls a covering off of the plans for the Raven Aztec Resort and Casino. She gives the crow speech, she being Lily, gives the that standard crow speech, which explains yeah. the power of the crow, which she says is the power of love. Yeah, you can't win me over with the Sarah-esque monologue mm-hmm. narration from the first one. Yeah. Like, that's the thing, is there's so many things that, like, try to take from the first one. Yeah. When I haven't, I haven't seen, like, two and three. Yeah. But they at least do something that's original. They try and establish original, yeah. you know... Uh, mot- original stories and yeah. motivations, but this one is, you know, they they saw. I I have it written down to where it feels like some goth kid in high school who watched The Crow for the first mm-hmm. time and created like a fantasy in his head yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, and this movie, we will see a lot. This movie interchanges ravens and crows. Yeah, they're not the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, while she continues to speak, we get B-roll of dumpy Edward Furlong ambling out of his trailer as two people vandalize it. They yell at him about being a criminal and an Indian killer. Jimmy looks at them, then throws the shit he's carrying like a big baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we come back to the virtuous Lily as she ends her speech about like the crow. <laughs> as she ends her speech about the crow's power not being vengeance hate or anger but love she's Even talking though, about the, a raven though yeah um and she says but she says the crow's power isn't vengeance hate or anger but love even though the crow is pretty damn good at all those other things yeah uh, the next shot is of the townspeople walking back from the meeting jimmy and lily walk next to each other just then jimmy grabs her hand and pulls her away the viewer may be wondering why no one is yelling or she isn't resisting. Yeah. Jimmy pulls her behind his trailer and they start making out and she's into it. The way he moves is just, yeah. it's so unsightly. And I know it's its not all about looks, but there's no amount of suspension of disbelief 
to make me believe that Emmanuel Shariki is attracted to Edward Furlong. Yes. Especially not Edward Furlong at this time. Yeah, doe-faced, droopy-eyed, shaggy ragamuffin yeah. who is supposed to be our hero and moves like he has scoliosis. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No offense to anybody with scoliosis. It is, is, it is an issue, but we don't like Edward yeah. Furlong. So he isn't convincing even in the slightest, and the movie expects us to be fine with it. But the show must go on, I suppose. Anyway, they both go on about having to hide their love. Lily wants Jimmy to come to Ravenfest and be a part of the festivities to show people who he really is because everyone hates him and he's an outcast. Yes. Everybody else can see it. Why can't you, Lily? Jimmy says she's a dreamer and she believes in people too much, but he loves her because she believes in him. They want to run away together, but she wants to feel right about it and not abandon the tribe. They make plans to meet at her job later, then they make out some more. Her father, Father Danny Trejo, and Lily's police officer brother Tanner catch them and tell her to stop. She's embarrassing herself. The movie says it's because they think Jimmy's white trash, but I think we've already made it clear as the real reason why she's embarrassing herself. It's the typical father doesn't want his daughter being with Mm -hmm. the lowlife from the other side of the track bit, but she sees something in him. As father and brother usher Lily away, Jimmy makes some smart-ass comment. His delivery doesn't make him sound cool or someone that audience or the audience sides with against the oppressive family. He really does come off like a punk and a twerp. Yeah. And and at one point he's making a promise to her and he's like, I swear on your perfect blue eyes. And that's a huge selling point. Like later her blue eyes are brought up. It's like foreshadowing something that happens later. But we see in a close up earlier that Emmanuel Shariki has brown eyes. Mm-hmm. They don't even give her like colored contacts. Like yeah. she has brown eyes. Yeah. And plus, that's just a really stupid line because they keep bringing it up. It doesn't sound tough. No. Like you're supposed to make him sound tough and like a badass. Yeah. I'll poop on your big blue eyes. Now that's tough. <laughs> that's Bill Leather tough. <laughs> We then get a shot of Jimmy in a suit too big for him, dusting off a ring, putting it in a box, grabbing the bag of scorpions. <laughs> yeah, and, what are you going to do with those? Yeah, and bidding his dog he didn't eat a farewell forever. <laughs> the dog has to fend for itself in the desert, I suppose. Either that or he expects to be back and Lily be okay with living in a shack. Yeah, I thought they were running away. Why does yeah. he bring his dog with him? Yeah, he gets in his car, but it won't start, so he hops on a bike. As he rides down the road in his ill-fitting suit, bag of scorpions, and fistful of fake roses, he approaches Lily's work, but is almost run off the road by her brother. Much to our disappointment, he only falls off the bike and is not mangled. Yeah. Lily's brother Tanner gets out of his car to confront Jimmy about jumping in front of his car for the insurance. (laughs) Tanner wouldn't want to mess up that nice oversized suit there, David Byrne. I know what you're doing, you lowlife. Yeah. Tanner dresses Jimmy about it. Tanner dresses Jimmy down about being no good, and Jimmy just puts a cigarette in his mouth and tries to be tough. Again, yeah. trying to show some sort of cool attitude. Yeah, exactly. It, again, it's 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 a the fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's someone's fantasy. It's, it feels like a vanity project. Yeah, he's trying to come off as cool and badass, but he just he sounds bored and lazy. Mm-hmm. Tanner sees Jimmy plans on proposing to his sister. He isn't having any of that shit, so he points his gun at Jimmy, trying to scare him. He pulls the trigger, but nothing happens. Jimmy calmly says the bullet is in Tanner's hand, then walks away with a warning. Jimmy walks into the shop Lily works at, fake roses in hand, but it's a ghost town. We then see someone else is there. Jimmy starts talking into the air as if Lily can hear him. <laughs> he asks Lily to marry him, but he's met with Lola approaching in a Mardi Gras mask. Yeah, she's trying to be, like, Tara Reid, again, is a horrible actress. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to be this seductive, like, Harley Quinn, like, 
you know, quirky, morbid character, mm-hmm. but it's her acting so bad that it's distracting. Mm-hmm. Uh, she comments on the roses and says she, he should have brought lilies. She says ah, it, but um, yeah. But she says, "Hey, it's your funeral." Then he's attacked by two of the horsemen. It's shown Luke has Lily in a choke and says how he's always wanted a blue-eyed Indian, which, like you had mentioned, she has brown eyes. Yes. The horsemen drag Jimmy over to a noose. Lily tries getting away by spilling the bag of scorpions on Lola and calling her a bitch. (laughs) You bitch! She's quickly grabbed, but not without smacking her hand on a mirror, leaving a bloody handprint. Luke talks about how he always wanted to love someone like Lily, which we see Lola takes offense to. She said, what the... What the hell? What the hell? <laughs> Pestilence also eats a scorpion. She's strung up next to Jimmy, she being Lily. Strung up next to, next to Jimmy. Luke says his fate is a shame. Him being, he, his, there's a lot of hims and hers. So yeah. Luke says Jimmy's fate is, is a shame because he always liked him. Probably as a fall guy or a scapegoat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He doesn't he doesn't command this presence of someone who maybe he was their leader mm-hmm. and then he turned over a new leaf mm-hmm. and now David Boreanaz is their new leader. Yeah, and you you don't see them as like equal badasses or mm-hmm. he was like someone who was dangerous who commanded yeah. that respect. Mm-hmm. He feels like a toady who's they leave around to make fun of. Yeah. Uh, War once again waxes poetic about making enemies suffer, then tightens the noose. Lola grabs a dagger and talks about being jealous of Lily's eyes. Jimmy thrashes around helplessly as... Green eyes! Exactly. (laughs) Jimmy thrashes around helplessly as Luke goes to put his feet up on the window. He reminisces about when he wore a bandana and Jimmy was a middle-aged lesbian woman (laughs) and were a part of the same prison work group. Flashback. Yeah. Yeah. They were buds watching Lily give a speech about ravens and talking filthy about how Luke wanted a boner and Jimmy says how he shouldn't talk about his girl like that and leaves the group to apparently walk up to her. This prison work group must not have guards overseeing them. Right. Back in the present times, Lola cuts out Lily's eyes, and Luke says it's a shame because she won't be able to see through the spirit world. I will say mm-hmm. the way, like the way the whole crew responds to morbid violence. Yeah, to me, it felt like they—they're like a group of delinquents who liked the idea of being a satanic mm-hmm. cult and watch like cartoonish versions of them on mm-hmm. TV. But then when they finally do like real satanic shit, mm-hmm. they they're like they're mortified. They're like, what? I didn't think it'd be this way. Yeah. It's like people who watch too many pirate movies and then if they had to do actual pirate stuff, they'd be like, What is this? What's you didn't you really have to rape and pillage? I thought we were just gonna yo ho ho on a bottle of rum. But they all respond like this is the first time they're committing crimes. Yeah. And they're like, Well, I didn't think it'd be this violent. Yeah. Lola performs a satanic incantation, and she all of a sudden has absorbed Lily's eyes, now having the sight powers of a shaman. (laughs) Now she can better see the future and perform spells. They kick Lily's stool, and she hangs. The horsemen look just like you mentioned. The horsemen look disturbed by this, and then Luke goes over to Jimmy and grabs him, and Jimmy says Luke will die for this. Yeah. Luke. So Tara Reed, like her color contacts are green. So mm-hmm. again, no blue eyes. Mm-hmm. And plus, I made an observation during the um, the flashback where they're at like the they're they're, they're on the prison work group together. Yeah. I I feel like like obviously it's preferable to not have this movie. Mm-hmm. It's preferable to not have Edward Furlong. If we're, but if we're gonna have Edward Furlong and David Boreanaz, David Boreanaz, his presence. Just his presence alone is more intimidating than Edward Furlong. Mm-hmm. I could get more on board with him getting revenge for his, you know, died the his lover who was killed. Mm-hmm. But like 
Edward in Edward Furlong, I'd switch the two because Edward Furlong I could buy as like a sleazy, smarmy villain who you want to see. Like he's over the top, mm-hmm. and you want to see him die. You feel like he'd be he'd be better suited as like you believe him as someone who's satanic and hungry for power because mm-hmm. he's such because he's such a a, a wimp and mm-hmm. a creep and stuff. So yeah. I feel like if you had had these two, I actually I would have been more okay with it if you switch the roles and david boreanaz was jimmy cuervo and he was mm-hmm. the crow yeah but again it's preferable that the movie doesn't even exist right luke kicks jimmy's chair and then plunges a dagger into jimmy's chest you can still hear the audience cheering 16 years later <laughs> luke digs jimmy's heart out and lola recites another incantation luke briefly convulses and he comes then he comes to he pulls part of his shirt down to reveal 666 now branded onto his chest. Of course. Yeah. He now has powers. He instructs Pestilence and Famine to take the body to the dump. Pestilence and Famine take the corpses to the dump. When they reach the freezer where they are putting the bodies, Pestilence yells about making it to the top, then gags. My first thought was, so he doesn't mind toxic waste and he eats scorpions, yeah. but the aroma of a dump gives him pause. <laughs> yeah. But now nah, it's more likely he's dying because of his constant exposure to toxic chemicals. Ah, yes. I keep, yeah. See, you keep forgetting about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Famine sees it's the freezer his mom locked him up in, and he says how she told him it led to damnation. Pestilence says that sounds like a hell of a place. But, um, tss. Uh, <laughs> The group stumble into their hideout meeting place, and Lola looks like she just got her pupils dilated. <laughs> and there's devil-themed foods, like it was a Satan-themed birthday party. Right. Um, War asks her what she sees, and she gets a look into the future, seeing War massacring people. She says how he's going to get a visit from Satan. Everyone, every <laughs> visit from Santa he's, Satan. He's going to be very upset with you. <laughs> he's going to be all the presents. Everyone doesn't seem to be sure about what they just did, which, like you had mentioned, I have a hard time believing these people haven't murdered or done some disturbing shit. They're a notorious Satan cult. Yeah, exactly. Who are who have done this shit before? Because Tito Ortiz tells the priest, he's like, "We're getting back together, Holmes." Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. As a notorious satanic cult, this should just be a normal day for them. Yeah. Anyway, Luke comes in talking about the triumph. And the, and if the fact they're a bunch of devil worshippers hasn't been made <laughs> clear yet, we get a hokey line about enjoy the deviled eggs. Deviled eggs. Deviled, deviled ham. ham. And for dessert, apple pie. <laughs> no, it's devil's food cake. <laughs> devil's food cake. <laughs> Sprinkled with Lowe's peyote. How did you... How did you you're you were all together it's not like she's like i'm gonna go back to the hideout and make the grub and yeah. then she leaves with yeah, who they're ma- all to who made, who made it all that food the devil <laughs> the devil made it the devil's a good cook luke sees everyone seems to be remorseful so he goes around reminding them why they want vengeance on the town war is being put out of work by fat cats famine is the only descendant of aztec royalty around and he isn't getting a slice of that casino pie Pestilence wants a chance at being a cowboy, but no one will let him because he is Asian and eats scorpions and drinks toxic sludge. Yeah, his th- he's just around because he wants to be a cowboy. Yeah, he has he has no dog in the fight. <laughs> Maybe they just don't want you around because you're a weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> Luke pep talk. Luke's pep talk fires everyone up, and he gets on a chair and says how the devil will walk in his shoes. He says he'll exact revenge on everyone tonight. Then Lola asks who needs a wedding invite because part of their ritual is sacrificing a virgin while she marries Luke, who is now the devil incarnate. They all howl and trip on peyote, and the way the group, quote-unquote, party is so forced and unnatural. 
everybody's directed to quote unquote act high yeah. or quote unquote act crazy. But it looks like in a church play when you ask the homeschool Christian kids to act like bad kids or drunk or like <laughs> sinners. Exactly. And mm-hmm. also, is it isn't he like he's not the devil incarnate until not, they not get married? Yeah. yeah. But like again, they don't do a good job of delineating. He's not the devil yet. Mm-hmm. It's like, but he has these powers. He's got 666 yeah, all over exactly. him. Yeah, exactly. So when is, when is he the devil? Yeah. Okay, get me out of this hell. I hole. need the movie to be over. Yeah, exactly. While everyone trips, Luke tells Pestilence to go to the bar and get more peyote. <laughs> get more peyote. Then he says he is visiting a friend that night. We then see a dream sequence of Jimmy walking through a field in his death shrouds. Death he's, shrouds. Death shrouds. He's walking towards Lily on a swing. And she turns her head to reveal she has a wrap around her head, covering her eyes. <laughs> That's his response. Yeah, exactly. He's got a lot of, like, really not cool responses. <gasps> <laughs> he has flashes of him and then of the tree she's on, and his dream self and his dream self looks confused. He then awakes screaming and pushes <laughs> his way out of the freezer at the dump. He sees himself in the mirror of the car and starts whimpering. Yeah. He squeaks out, oh my God. Yeah. What, didn't, he, didn't he wake up and he's looking at his reflection like a toaster or something? It's like a car mirror yeah. toaster. And then he starts cackling like an idiot. Yeah, he, he reacts like his face is like his, at his face like horrified. Like in death he became a monster or something, but it's just his normal face. Mm-hmm. And and then he starts cackling for some reason. Yeah, We then get flashes of him in the dump lake, flailing around in the eye of the crow. Yeah. He splashes over to the freezer to pull Lily out. He opens it and sees she's still dead. He blubbers, then carries her back to the little apartment attached to her work, which I guess where she lived. Yeah, like, like he didn't... Like, I would understand if he died before she did. And then he wakes up and he's like, oh, they killed you too. But like they killed her before mm-hmm. they killed him. Yeah. So it's like she kn- he knows she's dead. Yeah. All the while we get intermittent flashbacks of events between the two lovebirds in that apartment. Like when he lays Lily's corpse on the bed, he thinks back to when they were about to make love. He then says more about how... I'm so glad we not see that. <laughs> yeah. He then says more about how she believed in him when no one else did. He then walks into the shop where the crime happened and sees Luke's jacket hanging on the coat rack. Jimmy starts having more flashbacks about the events earlier in the day. He then takes a pistol and shoots himself in the stomach, but he sees he can't be killed. Unfortunately. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He takes Luke's jacket and hobbles back to his trailer. He sees his dog barking at him, and then he says, Sparky! (laughs) In a high-pitched, inquisitive tone. Isn't his name Barnaby? I don't know. <laughs> but Eith, that's not the point. The Barnaby. dog's name's not the point. Barnaby. <laughs> yeah, he's very cool. He's just, he sucks. He's mm-hmm. so bad. He then stumbles inside and sees Polaroids of the two of them. He has more flashbacks of Lily drawing on his face and saying they'll love him at Ravenfest, which I really hope Ravenfest was one big ploy in order to embarrass Jimmy. <laughs> like yeah. Lily makes him think stuff she's going to do or the stuff she's doing will help his standing with the tribe. But yeah. then when Ravenfest comes, he offends everyone and is made to look stupid. <laughs> he trusts, she dresses him up like an idiot thinking mm-hmm. it'll get him to be accepted. Yeah. Anyway, his crow prep montage is underwhelming and he burns his trailer down. Yes. Uh, up to this point, his character has been so lame and so unsympathetic that you don't care about these flashback mm-hmm. scenes yeah. of him and Lily in love. Therefore, 
you don't care about a love lost made right. Mm -hmm. So the way he applies his makeup and puts on his outfit in slow mo in slow motion Mm -hmm. uh, with the dramatic music, it doesn't feel like triumphant or tragic, like burn in the first one by the cure. Uh, It just feels like, it feels like what a high school goth girl sees in her mind when she's getting ready to go out. Mm. So that's how, that's how it feels. And then when you see his crow get up, he looks like, yeah, a, like a high school goth girl instead of mm-hmm. like this badass Avenger. Yeah. When Jimmy walks out in full crow regalia, he looks like a moody teenage girl who works at Hot Topic. We end his flashbacks with Lily putting a necklace around him saying, you're not a murderer. Cut to Tanner wailing, murderer, <laughs> implying Jimmy killed his sister. A man in a top hat from the coroner's office is eating a sandwich as he rolls the body out in a body bag. And he's like, are you quiet down? I'm trying to eat my sandwich. Yeah. Deviled ham and deviled eggs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Devil's food cake. Mm. I got it from the leftovers from that party down the street. <laughs> they just walked in. Yes. Tanner grabs the hand poking out of the body bag, but I'm pretty sure that's not his sister. Because I'm positive we all saw his sister was shoved in the freezer. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the tactless mortuary worker rolls out rolls out off screen, and Tanner gets on his walkie-talkie, saying they need to get his dad to call tribal council because Cuervo did it again. Yeah, so this movie's based on a book called Crow mm-hmm. Wicked Prayer, mm-hmm. which I didn't bother to look any further into yeah. how it correlates because I really don't care. But I did see that the main character in the book is named Dan Cody. Uh-huh. And if you see Edward Furlong, he's pasty and he's white. Mm-hmm. So he looks more like a Dan Cody yeah. than a Jimmy Cuervo. Mm-hmm. So I just I just think that's just call him Dan Cody. Yeah. But no, they want to be too on the nose. Cuervo is Spanish for crow. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, meanwhile, the cultists drive up to a wedding chapel slash barbecue restaurant. While the wedding while a wedding is going on, the cultists come in being disruptive. Lola makes a comment how the virgin bride looks delicious. The bride turns to reveal she was She's knocked pregnant. Up. Yeah. She was knocked up, and, womp womp. and Lola is made to look a fool. Luke says, smooth move, X-Lax, and she's <laughs> off to find another virgin. Luke sits front row and starts browbeating the preacher. Luke goes on about a reckoning, and it's time to pay up. The preacher goes on about how he's changed, but Luke isn't buying it. So Moses, this preacher, mm-hmm. is the one that killed Luke's dad. Yeah. So they weren't cohorts, but... He, he knows since he killed his dad, he knows that he was a criminal. Yeah. Yes. So because of that connection, Luke wants them to have a duel. War goes <laughs> into the kitchen to intimidate the preacher's wife. So Moses, the preacher. Yeah. The preacher says he won't do it, but Luke keeps egging him on and a devil egging him on. Um, <laughs> Lola says there aren't any good virgins in the room either. Can't find a good virgin anymore. Yeah. Not any. Yeah. She's like nothing but sluts. Yeah. Luke keeps pushing, but the preacher resists. Finally, he gives in when he hears a gunshot from in the kitchen, believing his wife was killed. Luke shoots him dead, and everyone screams. The preacher's wife runs crying to her husband's body. Just when it seems Luke will kill her, he decides against it. Instead, he tells the others to waste the wedding guests. Everyone seems hesitant, which doesn't seem like it would be the M.O. of a callous cult. Right. Another (laughs) instance, like, is this the first day that they're committing crimes? Mm -hmm. Um, We are now in a dimly lit bar. We see Pestilence coughing and hacking up a lung under a bug zapper. He quips about the bugs being dumb, and the bartender says the peyote <laughs> is on the way. <laughs> Those bugs are dumb. Bugs are dumb, right? I'm not stupid in thinking that. <laughs> and a drug the, pe- the peyote. <laughs> <laughs> 
In a drug-filled daze, Pestilence sees Jimmy approaching him as the crow. It is the definition of a half-assed dime store impression of Brandon Lee. It's oh, His God. mannerisms, his one-liner delivery, yeah. his attempts to be slick and cool while also being tough is unbelievably cringy. Yes. What's worse is everyone has to act intimidated. Exactly. It's like when, if you're again, if you're a wrestling fan, when someone clearly whiffs on a kick or a punch or a big move, but the opponent has to still sell it and act hurt or fall down. Yeah. Who's the real jackass in that yeah, situation? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like I said before, it's almost almost like this was an Edward Furlong vanity project. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like. Or or like I said, like a goth kid watches The Crow mm-hmm. for the first time yeah. and writes fan fiction. That's yeah. what this feels like. And they're inserting their dumpy selves into this Crow character mm-hmm. and this fantasy in their head. Everyone else has to be intimidated and act around them. Mm-hmm. And he's in love with the most beautiful girl in school and stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, Pestilence says how Famine's mom was right about that damnation fridge. Jimmy tries to act tough. And <laughs> the damnation fridge. Uh, Jimmy tries to act tough and instantly throws a chip at Pestilence and asks where Luke is. He does like the decidedly most like un untough or unintimidating yeah. thing by throwing a chip at him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jimmy tries to act tough. He says Luke owes him two lifetimes and a pair of perfect blue eyes, and and I am just sitting there, hope like wishing they would stop using that line. Where where is the two lifetimes coming from? Him and Lily. oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, then. which again, the the that line is a seriously uncool or badass line. Yeah, and he still sounds snotty like a like a twelve year old brat that he yeah. was in Terminator Two. Yeah. Um, he also has no charisma, and his performance is super flat. Exactly. I, I had a note in here. He comes back too fast. Uh, if they want to rip things off of the first movie, just wait a year for him mm-hmm. to come back. Yeah. Because maybe he comes back, and the reservation is hell on earth. It's a complete evil wasteland. Mm-hmm. Maybe they go out of their way to like defile Lily's memory. Yeah. Just <clears throat> anything to make us feel for this character, mm-hmm. feel any sort of sympathy. Yeah. But nope, doesn't happen. Exactly. We then see his abilities as Pestilence tries to kick him, and he catches it. We won't keep harping on it, which later in my notes, we do keep harping on it. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. But Edward Furlong just isn't cutting it. Everything about the way he moves makes it feel like the crow made a mistake in choosing its conduit. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, he makes a mess of the bar, then electrocutes Pestilence on a bug zapper. Now we see the mortuary, the mortuary worker driving a hearse. He gets stopped when he sees Jimmy in the road. He runs scared, and Jimmy saunters up to the hearse. He sees the guy took the necklace off of Lily, not Lily, and Jimmy has another flashback about her pulling it on, putting him, putting it on him, saying how he isn't a killer. At the tribal meeting, Father Danny Trejo is telling a story about Lily. He attempts to rally the tribe as well. Jimmy is digging a hole under their special tree to bury Lily, and he asks God why he made him that way. Why? And I ask God why God allowed this movie to happen. <laughs> yes. uh, why he made me watch this movie. Yeah. Tanner walks in on Father Trejo's meeting and says if they call for justice, police won't go out there. So Father Trejo says they will exact their own justice. Yeah, didn't he, like, he was sitting with that council giving them, it's exposition, but it's still hard to follow. Like he, I don't remember, he's giving exposition as to why these toxic minds are there. And so we're supposed to believe like he made sort of this uh, uh, hypothetical deal with the devil to 
with these minds. I don't know. And then maybe he's the bad guy what, and he needs repentance. What you all just heard me read was the best of what I could summarize yeah. what <laughs> yes. he's talking about. Yeah. Um, it's very convoluted. At Ravenfest, which looks like it's at an Elks Lodge, the Satanists walk in looking to make some noise. Yeah, so, uh, they walk in, and there's like, this is Ravenfest? Yeah, I'm like, this is a really wild party, I guys. Thought, yeah. you know, if, if, this, if, Rave, if ravens are your heritage, and yeah. this is like the raven tribe, yeah. why isn't it like a big week-long parade? Yeah, oh yeah, people, carnival. people like dressed up in celebratory costumes, yeah. and there's like bonfires all day, mm-hmm. and people are dancing, because cause it's... it's it's an Aztec reservation, but also there's like Indians living. So it's mm-hmm. like Aztec celebratory dances mm-hmm. and Indian traditional yeah. dances and stuff like that. No, it's just people in a in a VA hall drinking punch, drinking punch, yeah, um, with a Raven Fest sign outside. Yeah. War says the people there are innocent, but Luke tells him to get his head out of his ass. Jimmy shows up at the chapel BBQ place. The preacher's <laughs> wife looks on in fear as Jimmy kneels next to her. She asks if he's an angel or a devil. He whines he doesn't know, and they hug. <laughs> I, don't I, know. I, don't I don't know. Come here. <laughs> and they hug. Uh, he, uh, he, he does <laughs> a lot. That would have been better. He does, I don't know. He does a whole lot of whining and complaining in this movie, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. At least when, when Eric Draven was introspective, it was either with Ernie Hudson yeah. or by himself. Every other time, he is confident in who he is. Yeah, exactly. He's there, he's there to inflict pain. Exactly. He's there to intimidate. Yep. He's there to be charismatic yep. because he knows he can't die. And he's like, go ahead. Kill me. Exactly. You got me dead bang. Yeah. It, but yeah, he he quickly realizes what he is. And he's like, okay, let's yeah, do this. Let's exactly. do this shit. He's like, I know what I have to do. Yep. And that's why, that's why when he gets shot at the end, he's like, no, fuck. Yeah, uh, but then yeah, but then like you said, when he takes a moment to take a step back, he's like, "Who am I? Like, yeah, what I know, I know what I have to do, but it's like, why? Those come in private when he when he is revisiting the things with him and Shelley's yeah, life, like his exactly. apartment, or with with Ernie Hudson's character who yeah. is with Shelley the entire time yeah. she's in the hospital. All that stuff, the introspective moments, work in the spots you put them. All Edward Furlong is is whining about, I want to die. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know what I am. And it happens every every time he encounters yeah, someone. Exactly. He has no swagger and no confidence. No. And that is why he is obnoxious to look at. Yeah, and that's why I hate him. Yeah. He then gets up and looks at a table by the wall. And for some reason, they have a, a news article displaying Jimmy's mugshot with yeah. the, the at the reservation's greatest moments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He bemoans about how he can't escape his past. (laughs) We then get flashbacks of what looks like Lily about to be sexually assaulted in front of a crowd of people. Jimmy in a suit, two sizes too big, runs over to attack her attacker. Yeah, again, he just the way, even the way he runs over is not intimidating at all. He looks like, when he's wearing a suit, he looks like Uncle Fester. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And then Adam's family values. Exactly. Uh, that just came to me. <laughs> it looks like, oh, it looks like oh, he does. Because watching, I was like, what does he look like? And then especially in the part where in the flashback where he's running to attack Lily's yeah. attacker, he looks like Uncle Fester in Adam's Family he's, Values. His posture is just terrible. He's not standing up straight. He's all hunched over. Mm-hmm. When he runs over, he's like waddling over mm-hmm. there. It just, it doesn't look good. He, he looks like somebody who has like no athleticism Exactly, at all. yeah. And so you try to make us believe that he's going to have these these intense fight scenes but mm-hmm. he looks like he's doesn't move athletically whatsoever yeah 
Uh, it keeps going back and forth between Crow Jimmy and Teenage Jimmy as we see as we see him beat the attacker's face to a bloody pulp with open hand slaps and limp wristed jabs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the preacher's wife realizes where she's seen him before. We see her rise up over Jimmy's shoulder and she points a gun at him. The attacker Jimmy killed was her son. Jimmy simply responds by saying her husband isn't dead. She is baffled as, as she is baffled as she looks down at her husband. Jimmy walks over and puts his hand over the on the preacher's chest. Just then the preacher starts breathing, which if we paid attention when he was dead before, we saw him breathing anyway. Yeah, he also he got shot a long time ago. How is he yeah, still not dead? Exactly. The preacher's wife snarls at Jimmy that she doesn't know what he just did and she won't forget it, but she still won't forgive him for what he did for what he did to her son. Listen, listen. That we're we're supposed to pretend that their son wasn't trying to rape Lily. Yeah. Like the mom acts like like he got caught in the crossfire of some like irresponsible gunfight mm-hmm. and Jimmy was involved was involved yeah. in it. Yeah. But like you you like mom, like it's your son and I understand. But you do understand he was trying to rape a woman, right? Yeah. And that's how he died. Mm-hmm. Jimmy mopes away. The crow materializes and flies over a green screen. <laughs> To to which I fully expected Jimmy to, like, enter the frame flying with the crow. You know, that kind of would have saved it for me just from a comedic standpoint. Either that or he, like, in front of her materializes as the crow. Yeah. Like a, like the way of Dracula turns into a bat. <laughs> yeah, it, I fully expected that. Like, whoa. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> it's like you know what all right i forgive that. whatever it's just it's it doesn't even care anymore yeah don't expect me to care yeah back at the raven's fest lock-in the four <laughs> horsemen start taking out bats and weapons as luke and lolo look on jimmy arrives at the elk's lodge and touches the raven fest banner hanging above he has a flashback to where the time he and lily went to prom there and when he pulled the banner down because he's a rebel and a scamp. Yeah, and they said enchantment. It said enchantment under the sea, and I was like, now you're stealing from another good movie. Yeah, two good movies. Exactly. He then gets a flash of Luke touching it before they before the Satanists entered. All the while, we hear the gang wreaking havoc. We see the group smashing tables and dioramas of the Aztec casino. Ward drops behind a table and readies a rifle. Just as famine continues to smash tables, oh we see a bat come into frame and block more of the discussion. <laughs> doesn't even more- know how to hold the bat. Yes. Uh, <laughs> just, nobody showed him how to hold a bat. Yeah, that's <laughs> Edward Furlong, by the way. Yeah, just beating uh, Tito Ortiz in a bat fight. Yeah, bat fight, bat fight, uh, so, gang. He he goes to block more of the destruction. We see it's Jimmy's brain. We see it's Jimmy brandishing the Louisville Slugger, and he starts pummeling Famine with the impact of a feather pillow. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then they 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 pan out to uh, David Boreanaz being like, "Didn't we kill that guy?" Yeah. He's, he's like, "Uh, <laughs> enough. We get it. Stop going so on the nose. He's not. He's not intimidating. He's not. He's not my hero." Mm-hmm. Famine is knocked to his knees, and Jimmy swings for the fences. So Famine is gone. Yeah. Uh, Lola says to Luke that Jimmy must be the crow. Oh, wait, wait, wait. He's the crow. Oh, my God. uh, Yet, duh. Yeah, the crow. That legend we heard about. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy walks over to where Luke and Lola are, and he starts acting tough again, not fooling anyone. Luke starts trying to reason with Jimmy, saying they should join forces because they're both out to make the wrong things right. Yeah. Jimmy says no dice. No dice. Luke gets up and Jimmy lunges at Lola. 
Luke stops him, and then War starts shooting. Luke says Jimmy may have powers now, but so does he, and he throws Jimmy across the room. War continues to shoot at people, and Luke throws a dagger at the crow, seemingly killing it. That yeah. didn't last long. <laughs> Not at all. The yeah. crow's disposed of, putting an end to Jimmy's immortality quickly. Yes. And also something I noticed was like, Again, they're trying with the slick dialogue and all that stuff, and it's almost like they thought, this'll be easy. The Crow was just revenge, one-liners, and vague, tragic poetry. So we're just going to double down on that. No. No. You don't understand the heart behind it. The things have to be put in certain spots, and there needs to be a competent story thread Exactly. And plus, you need a good actor to portray those things. Yes. They are all punctuation marks on the sentence. They're not the whole sentence. Oh, yeah. Exactly. With Jimmy now weakened because his power source is gone, Lola references a moment in her spell book, and they drop a fixture from the ceiling on top of Jimmy. With the fixture coming down, so does a large sheet, which covers the party patrons. Now that they're sitting now that they're sitting ducks, War starts picking everyone off. Lola looks on in shock because it's exactly as she saw in her earlier vision. Just as a child pops up from under the sheet in War's line of fire, Jimmy peekaboos his head out and pulls the child back under the sheet. Jimmy right? peekaboo. Look at a little peekaboo. Get a little peekaboo. Get a little peekaboo. <laughs> uh, where am I? Get <laughs> <laughs> a boo. Uh, right, so child. Surprise! Yeah, he, <laughs> like Zoolander. He, he pulls the child back under the sheet right before War can fire. War shoots into the sheet some more, but non-superpowered Jimmy somehow magically escapes. Yeah. The three remaining Satanists leave the party with a trail of bodies in their wake, and Jimmy looks down at the casualties as the child cries behind him. Yeah, there's he carries on the rest of the movie without the crow. It's like, shouldn't he, like, when Eric Draven lost his powers, he's, like, dragging himself around, Mm -hmm. dying. He knows he's dying, and he's using his last breaths Mm -hmm. to move around and try and keep with his mission. Yeah. But, like, we get 30 more minutes of him, like, going from location to location, just walking around normally. It's like, shouldn't you be dying? You got shot, and you're not an immortal anymore. You got shot. (laughs) But you're not immortal anymore. Right. So that that's what's annoying. It's like, shouldn't he be dead? Yeah. So the shot fades out, but then comes back in on the hearse driver running down the road. Tanner pulls up in his police car, asking the man what the problem is. The driver pants out that Jimmy Cuervo took his car, and he was wearing some Ravenfest getup. Tanner knows where to look for Jimmy now, and he speeds away, leaving the driver on the side of the road. Very good police officer. <laughs> yes. Back at the Ravenfest, Tanner walks in to see the destruction the gang left. Jimmy pops up behind him, and Tanner points his gun and accuses Jimmy of killing his sister. Would you say that the police officer was elected for us, by us? Hmm. <laughs> Although I get your reference, I did not elect him. <laughs> I did. Not my police officer. <laughs> Jimmy says. Jimmy says Tanner knows that's horse shit because Jimmy loved his sister. Tanner isn't hearing it, and Jimmy pleads with Tanner to shoot him. He belly aches that he doesn't want to live, and Tanner should just shoot him. It's a good chance it may actually kill him because he lost his crow powers. Tanner spends a frustratingly long amount of time not shooting Jimmy, and it's just enough time for Jimmy to lay hands on Tanner, and it shows him what actually happened to both Jimmy and Lily. I don't know, he still has his crow powers. Exactly! The crow, although, the crow, if you can reason, it's clinging on to life yeah. because of later events. Yeah. But how does he still have his crow powers? Yeah, to know. show like Tanner what happened. Yeah, I don't know. Tanner realizes he has to get the tribe council together, and they need to exact justice on the real culprits. 
Then Jimmy slinks away. <laughs> now at a former Catholic church, now whorehouse slash send in, Luke and Lola pull up next to war in what looks like a getup we'd, you'd wear on one of those Velcro walls. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Except he's wearing dynamite all over yeah. himself. Lola stops Luke before they head inside, and she tries to convince him to deviate from the plans, and they should just escape out to the coast and live a normal life of petty crimes and the occasional satanic activities. <laughs> nothing, nothing too much. Exactly. Luke tells her to trust the process, baby. He's on the path to being Lucifer, and he needs her as his co-pilot. <laughs> she concedes because what woman can't resist such smooth talk? Or what mm. woman can resist such smooth talk? I agree. He's yeah. got a devil's tongue. Mm-hmm. War asks that they banged a... Whoops. <laughs> War asks if they bagged a virgin. Lola says that's a 10-4, and she skips to the trunk of the car to pull out someone they found on the side of the road. It's the, <laughs> the hearse, driver. hearse driver. Which also, I'm like, how did they know he was a virgin? Like, did she, did she look into his soul? Did they smell it on him? Did yeah. they just... He was just willing to volunteer that information. Like, it's like, hey, what are you doing? Please, I'm a virgin. Please don't kill me. I'm a virgin. <laughs> or please, have mercy. I'm about to die a virgin. It's <laughs> like Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, exactly. So I'm thinking that's probably what happened. Yeah. Before the two head in with their find, Luke tells War to watch out for any more crows. Yeah. Or or <laughs> watch out for any more crows. Or like kind of how Lily saw into uh, War's future. She like just Lola. looked. Lola. Lola, what yeah. did I say? You said Lily. Lily! Lola. There's too much shit going on. Yeah. Lola. Lola and Lily sound too similar. Yeah. Lola's Tara Reed. Lola's looked at the hearse driver and just saw flashbacks of him, like, taking care of his grandma and, like, yeah. going to church and stuff like that. Yeah, this guy's a virgin. Yeah. <laughs> and him going, nah-uh, when propositioned. <laughs> to a bunch of, like, women, like, bouncing yeah. their asses in his or, face. He's like, get away from me! <laughs> Exactly. Or shaking his head, no, like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that, it's like, okay, he's a virgin. Yeah. Once inside, okay, here we go. Or, this, so, or it's like, how do you know I'm a virgin? And then that's what yeah. happens. So we're into the third act now. Yeah. And the third act is where things, I don't know how much more you can go off the rails of the suck a this movie, but yeah. they do try their hardest. Once inside the satanic meeting place, Lola says it's good to be back, and they approach recording artist Macy Gray in a wig. Yeah. Lola greets her, and Macy asks Lola what the hell she's doing back. I tell you, it doesn't get worse than Macy Gray in this movie. Yeah. She goes on about how Lola had a chance to be something, but Macy can't because she tries to say goodbye, but she chokes. I was just about to say, say, why didn't you say goodbye when I left? And she says, I tried to say goodbye, but I choked. Yeah. Uh, Luke keeps asking her where a guy named Nino is, and she points him out. Oh, boy. It's Dennis Dennis Hopper, Hopper, surrounded by scantily clad women, and he's in a suit and tie, fur coat, and has a cane. And, man, is his performance a doozy. He talks... He talks... Very hood. So Dennis, but it's Hopper Dennis Hopper gives the whitest portrayal of a street smart jive talking pimp. Yes. Seriously, he's talking like a quote unquote gangsta. Yeah. And I'm curious on whose creative decision that was. It is simultaneously phoned in and scene stealing in the, at the same time. <laughs> it's it's what an anomaly it is. Mm-hmm. It's El Nino. Get it right, Cracker Jack. And he's like, like kiss the book, bitch. Yeah, I was like, what? Are you, what is. Who's making you do this? No need for you to reapply, Shorty G. (laughs) Get out of here, Shorty. That's how he's talking. (laughs) I think the perfect way to describe it is he's simultaneously phoning it in and giving the best performance. I feel like... 
I feel like they got Dennis Hopper and they just said, just talk like you did in the 70s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you mean when I was high on all those drugs? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so he says it's wild for him to see Luke Crash and Lola Burn back. Wait, Crash and Burn? Crash and Burn. Forget what I said at the beginning of the episode. This is the first time you're hearing that. Mm-hmm. He's calling Lola Shorty because she was one of his girls. He threatens her. short. Yes, and she is short. Shorter than him, at least. He threatens her because he knows she stole a spell book, but she didn't know how to use it. She tells him to step off because she has the eyes of a shaman and the powers <laughs> and the powers of flight. <laughs> and, the powers, and the powers of flight. <laughs> like an afterthought. Like, we, who is Nino? Like, he's, he's a pimp, obviously, but is I guess he's a... This satanic he's, ritual. He's probably he's probably this high his this high <laughs> satanic leader. Yeah. Who Luke was probably taken in by. Yeah. And Lola was one of his girls. Yeah. So it's probably it's, a Luke and Lola met. So the, yeah, these are things we gather, uh-huh. but should be explained to us. Yes, exactly. By the movie. Mm-hmm. He continues to talk to her. And but, the powers of flight. <laughs> he continues to talk to her, but Luke tells him to watch his ass because he's in, he's on his way to being the Antichrist. Nino, I'm going to be your boss. Yeah. <laughs> Nino backs up in reverence, and they talk about the ritual. The ritual. <laughs> Let's get down to brass tacks. Uh, <laughs> the out- ritual. Outside, War's checking his gun, and the tribe hide out on the high ground. Yeah, you, you, so while you get the shot of War... And in the tribe, they're outside. You can hear inside, and you hear things like, This shorty G's just gonna bang, bang, bang yourself. (laughs) I'm about to get to that here. (laughs) Father Trejo says they should wait, or Father Trejo wants to pounce, or Tanner asks when they'll pounce, but Father Trejo says they need to wait for Cuervo because he's still under the impression Jimmy Cuervo murdered Lily. Yeah, so they want to kill War and Jimmy Cuervo. I had a note that's like, don't Lily's dad and brother know that Jimmy saved her from a rapist? He's white trash. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but, yeah, exactly. He's white no trash. No forgiveness for white trash, mijo. Yeah, this is very true. Uh, back in the church, Luke and Lola are being prepped for ritual. Also, I keep wanting to say Luke and Laura from General Hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Luke and Lola are being prepped for the ritual. The, it's not the it's not the does it shorty do you want to hang bang out it's not that part yet okay. there's several instances where they go back and forth between inside the church and outside yeah, with I, war all of that to say I feel like I feel because he's talking to Satan when he says that I feel right. like they just told Dennis Hopper just talk this is for B-roll we're not yeah. going to use any of this except they used all of it exactly Back in the church, Luke and Lola are being prepped for the ritual. The virgin is revealed to be the hearse driver. Luke asks how he's still a virgin. The driver meekly admits he's just old-fashioned and he was waiting for the right woman. So then how do they know he was a virgin if that's where they're learning that why he's still a virgin? Exactly. Well, so David Boreanaz doesn't know he's a virgin, but maybe maybe Lola? Lola. Lola. Maybe Lola, again, had that premonition. Luke would ask... Her, why are we picking up this guy? Uh, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. The, I don't know. Yeah. Who, act, but like the, the limo, I keep wanting to say limo driver. The Hearst driver is yeah. acting so bad that I laughed when he said, I'm just trying, I'm old fashioned. I'm just trying to find the person I feel special about. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, once once they're ready, Lolo approaches the altar where ah. Luke, where Luke, where Luke is standing and Luke is wearing a nice white cowboy shirt, a slick <laughs> pair of white pants, and some crocodile shoes. Ah, that's the devil yeah. I want to yes. worship. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Listen, whoa, whoa, whoa. we call people sinners for effect. I don't really want to be—I'm not really like that. Uh, 
Me neither, I guess. <laughs> Dennis Hopper starts really hamming up the jive talk as he conducts <laughs> the wedding ceremony, like we had mentioned before. Do you, Shorty G, want to bang, gang, bang, take Papa, Papa Antichrist here? Just yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, he's just really turning it up. Do you take this, homie? To be another homeboy. <laughs> yes. he, he does. He says stuff like that. Yeah, it was subtle at first, but now it's like full he's on. All, oh, he's all, he's in. all in. And here's where everybody starts going all in on Satan's side. Yeah, uh, he conducts the wedding ceremony with liberal uses of homeboy and, and gangsta this and gangsta that. <laughs> Outside, War sits on the steps and sees the hearse approaching. He charges and Jimmy gets out and the two start fighting. I'm also going to preface and say I get very broad with everything I'm about yes. to say here. Uh, because there's a lot more nuanced stuff in there, but I it got to the point yeah. where Matt was about to come over and we were about to start recording and I was still watching well, the movie. To be fair, it became to, it became so jumbled. Yeah. So Jimmy is getting his ass kicked because his crow powers are dwindling. The tribe look on and Father Trejo wants to attack. Tanner urges against it and says Jimmy is the crow because he, being Tanner, has seen his powers. War and Jimmy continue to fight, and as War is about to kill Jimmy, the tribe start firing. The group inside hear the hailing of bullets outside, and Dennis Hopper says, It must be a drive-by. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> must be a drive-by. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy Jimmy flies up with War, which... Must is, be a drive-by. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy flies up with War, which I didn't think he could still do without his powers. You could, I, I wonder if they wanted to cast a black guy. <laughs> but they couldn't, but they didn't even change the script. Yeah. I, I don't like how stereotypical they would have made it <laughs> if they did very hire true. a black guy. But, you this know. This whole thing's a lose-lose. Yeah, exactly. Inside, Luke urges Nino to keep going. <laughs> Macy Gray. This is my the part that made me crack up, just the timing of it all. Um, so Luke is urging Nino to keep going, and Macy Gray pulls out two guns and tells no one to move and Nino to keep going. Her attempt to be badass is rendered useless when she instantly gets killed by a stray bullet. <laughs> it's so funny. She just crumples into a heap yeah. and like almost nobody notices. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nino briefly has a moment of mourning, but Lola tells him to keep going. More stuff happens outside, and still none of it convinces the audience that Edward Furlong is good in his role. No. The firing squad gets the best of war, and he goes down in a blaze of glory. Inside, the music crescendos, and Nino finishes officiating. The virgin is killed by a stray bullet, and the ritual is complete. Lola <laughs> Kind of. Kind of. They don't get to yeah. kill him. Lola then stabs Luke as they make out. Luke looks surprised, and Nino is dumbfounded. Yeah. He applauds her decision, but just then, Luke pops up and makes out with Lola. Yeah, there's no explanation. It's like, what was that about, homeboy? It's like, yeah. well, you see, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Uh, Luke has a new vigor and pep in his step. He looks at crucified, the crucified Jesus icon at the altar and says how he's home. He is now mentally connected to the devil. <clears throat> Jimmy staggers in and yammers on again about owing him two lifetimes and a pair of perfect blue eyes. <laughs> Luke welcomes him and then throws him, uh, then throws him around with his new powers. Apparently, the powers of Satan make Luke act like Jim Carrey because he's <laughs> over the top with everything now. Yeah, so there's zero weight yeah. to the first to this Luke and Jimmy fight because. There's a the lack of sympathy for Jimmy really hurts these final showdowns because mm -hmm. there's no heart to this character as he tries to juggle his grief while also trying to make sense of his newfound purpose. Yeah, the emotion and the imagery is just it's so forced. The movie's yeah. trying to make me feel a certain way, and the reasoning is well, at this point, you're supposed to feel this way. We did all the stuff, 
So it's yeah. just it's very unearned. You did all the stuff without you did all the stuff without knowing why all the stuff worked. Yeah, why we did all the stuff. Yeah. So it's just unearned yeah. is the is the big word that I have for these final showdowns. Yeah. Uh, but Luke um, is is definitely over the top. He's going back and forth between doing an impression of Jim Carrey's Riddler and Jack Nicholson's Joker. <laughs> anyway, back outside, so he pushes. Jimmy outside. Luke pushes Jimmy outside, and he's throwing bladed weapons with ropes attached into Jimmy. Yeah. He then drags him back into the church and strings him up in front of the crucified Jesus. As he plays a tune on the organ, Lola whispers that she needs that devil D, and they <laughs> best get to step in before the sun rises. Nino approaches and says it's great to meet Satan. Luke asks Lola if she liked turning tricks for Nino. She flashes back to when a fat slob just got done having his way with her, yes. and Nino was, cu- was counting his money. She grabs a dagger and kills Nino. Luke and Lola walk outside to the tribe mob. Luke says as much as he would like to kill them all, they have to go consummate their marriage in the cemetery. On their way there, Luke is going off the rails psycho, and Lola seems to be having a little buyer's remorse. (laughs) It does feel that way. He's going on about making the world burn, and she just wanted to honeymoon somewhere nice, maybe with a nice breakfast place attached. Yeah, he's he's really really turned it up to 11. The tribe go into the church and are appl- and are appalled to see Jimmy hanging there. Trejo instructs them to cut him down, and they carry him outside while reciting chants and prayers. Outside, they realize he's losing his power because the crow is dying. Jimmy then comes to and goes to the cemetery. The tribe realize they have to bring the crow back to life, so Father Trejo takes his shirt off, and everyone starts doing the crow dance. Yeah. Unfortunately, it isn't one of those early 90s dances with a fun hip-hop Dude, video company. Cool. It's just more chants and prayers as Dane Trejo's man boobs bounce. Yeah, I shouldn't have to be suggested this shit movie just to get what we all wanted to see. Danny Trejo yeah, shirtless. The shirtless Danny Trejo doing a tribal dance with a pained look on his face. Yes. At the cemetery. <laughs> the crow dance. I would have forgiven this movie if it had one of those like dance routines. Yeah. Do the crow dance. <laughs> doing the crow. <laughs> I'd be like, all right, this movie's great. This whole movie made me feel like I had to eat crow. Yeah, exactly. But again, zero weight yeah. to Jimmy going to face Luke for the last time. At the cemetery, Luke is aggressive about boning, and Lola resists because Luke won't look her in the eyes. Jimmy shows up, says more dumb stuff. Luke kicks his ass while being over the top and really trying to chew scenery. We get intermittent shots of more bouncing man boobs. Just when Luke has Jimmy down for the count, the crow comes to and Jimmy's powers are restored. Yeah, wasn't it called the Raven Dance? So it shouldn't have worked for the crow because they're not the same. I think we've already established yeah. they confuse just, ravens just, with crows. Just, 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 just leave just, it. Don't. F it, F it, F it. <laughs> he throws Luke around, Luke, he being Jimmy, throws Luke around as the sun starts to come up. He throws Luke into a pit and shouts down, Quote the raven, motherfucker! <laughs> Quote the raven nevermore, motherfucker! Yeah, that's what it is. Then yeah. cackles like a punk. Yeah. There was no reason for him to say that, by the way. So... One of my, I think my final note on here is playtime should have been over during the the final fight. In the original, so we got in the original, as you get closer to top dollar, you're starting to wean out the henchmen more. Eric Draven's intensity starts to become more focused, and he wasn't as jokey or like playful Mm -hmm. while toying with his victims. Right. By the by, the end fight, it was all business, and there was only one goal. That's how it should have been. But he's still trying to be like he 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 like one liners and stuff and like that. And yeah, like, exactly. It's not it's not badass. I think I mentioned earlier. It's not you being like giving trying to fire off. Yeah, like 
one-liners because you know you're about to one-up him and yeah. you know you know you have your power got my powers back yeah like you know you know you have all that mm-hmm. and you trying to be like charismatic and trying to be like yeah like i said like snide about it yeah it comes off as slick twer- as yeah. twerpy yeah he just sounds like a twerp he really does um as the sun continues to rise lola knows her goose is cooked so she starts saying hail mary's Hail Mary! Eventually, Luke is bested and thrown onto a stake or a bunch of stakes or whatever. Yeah. Um, Lola's done for, so is Luke, and Jimmy's reunited in afterlife with Lily. Who cares about the rest of this stupid movie? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exactly. There's, there's no, I don't care. They try and make it emotional at the end, and it's just we've it's gone not on, at we've gone all. on long enough with this movie. Was there anything good? You know what? I will just cap off by saying the only good thing David Boreanaz is. He, he listen, he's clumped a baby with the bathwater here. Yeah. Like we are we like we are gonna clump him in with the bad performances. Yep. However, if you do isolate his performance, David Boreanis, at least his hamminess was appropriate. Was appropriate. Yes. Yeah. Even when he started to become like again, like mm-hmm. a like he started acting like Jim Carrey. Yeah. At the, if like Jim Carrey were the whole, were like a holy man. I feel like he end. should have had more sinister moments because right. when he's introduced, it's very sinister and you're like, yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Who is this guy? But then he instantly was like, Hey there, Lola burn. Yeah, like, exactly. He was like, well, 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 maybe we need to start doing that yeah. now. Don't we? Yeah. Like exactly. doing stuff like this is that. your brain on the box. This, this is, is my brain, brain on the box. box. Does anybody else feel like a fried egg? Exactly. Yeah. So it's like that. It's somebody Pretending to be manic when they're yeah. supposed to, or pretending to be like sinister yeah. when they should be sinister. Yeah, screw this movie. Yeah. I hate this movie. It's terrible. I know we said Bratz was the worst movie we ever, we've ever seen, I but still, we keep one upping ourselves. I think Bratz is still the worst, mm-hmm. but this gives it a run for its money for sure. Um, Again, in the category of I would rather watch Biodome. Yes, exactly. Thank you all for listening. Please come back next week. Please. Until then. House lights are up, the film's off the reel. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. We'll see you next time.